Shut up and sit down. Everybody who wanted to get into the chat room has gotten in the chat room. I haven't noticed any pending um, uh, memberships, but if you need access, um, feel free to send me a message on Facebook if you're having a problem getting into the chat room. You guys can hear me, right? I'm actually kind of liking the Facebook chat, and considering how expensive the options are for my website, I'm not sure if I'm going to put another chat room on my website um, because I have the option of running one on my site, which could increase my server load um, and my bandwidth bill, or I have a choice of paying for one, um, which I don't want to do, especially when they're like $20 a month and we really only use them for podcasts. Um, So I'm on the fence about what I'm going to do on on that range. So we'll see. We'll see. (coughs) Anyway, tonight we're going to talk about feedback. And um, I think 20 or 40 bucks a month is obscene. It's a a ridiculous price to pay. Uh, So I just, I just don't know. Um, I'm I'm thinking about it. I am noodling it. So I'm noodling it. We'll go. We'll do that. Anyways, um, tonight Julie's going to join me. We're going to talk about feedback and um, uh, validation and readers. And we talk a lot about reader behavior on the chat. Um, and um and I mean and on the podcast and everything. But uh just we're just gonna we're just gonna talk about it. We're we're just gonna do some talking. If I can find her. There she is. Okay. It's important to move to, to move the giant carnivorous tulips. I agree. We can't leave them in that terrible space. <clears throat> That terrible, expensive space only 10 of us could use for free. I know. <laughs> I know, right? 10. <laughs> Why couldn't it have been a reasonable number like 50? Yeah. I mean, 50 would have been reasonable. Even, and, even and it would have served. 20, yeah, even 20 might have been doable because it's rare we have twenty more than 20 people on, on in chat during a podcast. But, yeah. But really, 10? That was just. Yeah. I don't know how you go. From, I mean, it takes it takes some solid brass balls to go from a free model to twenty to forty dollars a month. A month. I mean, wow. Mm-mm-mm. It's ridiculous. Now they have paid packages before, but I didn't need one because they're they're. Minimum simultaneous Samuel, ta- say it for me. <laughs> simultaneous. 
Thank you. Chatters for their free chat was 100. So I was never going to get close to that unless all hell broke loose and we had to use it as an apocalypse tool to communicate. (laughs) So, anyways. They changed their name, changed their pricing, and didn't update their plug-in. So I didn't find out about it. I didn't get an email or anything until I went to do the podcast to get the link for the and my chat room wasn't working. Yeah, Which and even is though rude. They, and even though they ported everything over, they um uh they didn't bring over your login, so you'd have had to create new accounts too cuz my existing account with Chatwing didn't work. So fuckers. I was like Anyways, well, fuck you very much. I mean, honestly, Skype, or Skype, <laughs> Skype, using Skype to chat or Google Hangouts is a better option than doing that. Yeah, yeah. We'll think about it, and we'll um, do some. So, you know, I think in. maybe Skype might be. Um, I don't know. I mean, I use Skype to call in for the radio show, uh, but. I don't know. I mean, is it Google Hangouts would require everybody to have a Gmail account? Well, Skype would require, Skype would require everybody to have a Skype account. Skype account. Facebook requires it. Facebook requires, yeah, Facebook requires. Facebook, so. I, only chat servers had guest logins. That's the only way you're really going to do that. So it's just, in some fashion, yeah, people are going to so. have to have an account to chat. So, um, yeah. We'll noodle it. Uh, but I think most of the people who normally chat with us are in the chat room. So, um, but yeah, if you are using we- Facebook and you're using your real name and you want to create a fandom identity, now would be a good time to do that. <laughs> we will set you I, up with friends. <laughs> I know we have a few people who are not on Facebook at all in any capacity. Um, but I yeah. haven't seen them in chat in a while, so um, we'll have to wait and see if we hear from them in any, if they touch base. Oh, feedback, feedback, feedback. Feedback. Um, there was a um, post today on Facebook about, um, I, I won't say the person's name, um, that they were uh, getting some really crappy-ass comments on videos they were doing um, and that they had not checked their videos' um, comments in like a month because they just couldn't handle the feedback. And then they went through and you know deleted a whole bunch of people and blocked some people for their bad behavior. And um, we're talking about it, and I said, well, you know, it might be easier just to cut your comments off. And then I, but after I said that, I thought, well, that's not really easy, is it? No. <laughs> so that's where the podcast came from tonight. And I turned feedback off on Revenant on um, Wild Hair, and I regret nothing. <laughs> I regret nothing about that decision. Because the comments were slowly making me hate my own work, and that was just inappropriate. And I'm not sure if I'm going to allow comments on my Nano when I do my Harry Potter Revenant. I'm just not sure. Yeah, it's 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 that's a difficult decision because there are times when, um, 
I don't know. I mean, I think that some people know they don't deal with any kind of comment, any kind of thing that even smacks of being passive aggressive or negative. They just know they're not going to be able to deal with it. And, you know, we've had people say, you know, basically say that um, they don't post their work because they can't deal with even the anxiety of the kind of feedback they might get. Um, And I think it's really good to be, for starters, it's great to be that self-aware that you know this is an issue for you. Um, And these people actually I really admire that they keep writing anyway um, because some people, there there are more than a few people that I've encountered in fandom who if they aren't getting feedback, they're not writing. Um, So the people who are just writing to please themselves, um, good on you. That's sort of you're going to do your best with your writing in general if you're writing to please yourself and not writing for comments or if you're not driven by comments or but feedback is such a it is a part of the cycle in fandom um and i remember thinking like way back when i first started writing fan fiction um a lot, I, and some of the authors I was close to and stuff, and I think I may have used the remark comment once or twice. Um, it was like, you know, if you enjoyed the story, please leave a comment or please send us – I think it was like, please send us an email um, because, you know, of course, it was we didn't really have a lot of there – weren't, there weren't archives like we have now. Um, and uh, it, it, so it would say, if you enjoyed it, please send us a, a, an email or a comment or whatever because it's the only payment we receive. And there's nothing wrong with that statement because it's true, but it also starts to equate feedback with currency. And you may not even mean it that way, but we've talked about the dangers of perceiving feedback as having any kind of um, perceiving readership or feedback as currency because it's a slippery slope that can get you into trouble. Um with your own writing and your motivation and that kind of thing. But that's part, I mean, that's such a simple thing that I've seen quite frequently. That comment made is leave us feedback. It's the only, it's the only, it's the only payment we get is feedback. And it is, it is profoundly true. The only payment a fan fiction writer gets is appreciation from their audience. But equating that with currency, I think is, it's setting you up to be disappointed at some point. Because I think it also demoralized. It's demoralizing. It is demoralizing. Because also at some point you're not going to get what you think it's it's due. So you may have written the best thing you think you've ever written, but it may not resonate with your audience or the people who usually read you or out of town or something may happen and you don't get the feedback you're expecting and your motivation is gone, you're disappointed, you're upset, you don't know what happened, you're questioning your own work. And why do that to yourself? And because you equate it as your compensation for the work that you've done, um, I just think you're setting yourself up for a big fall. To me... um... I'm at that point in um, my life as an adult, um, and, well, you know, I've been writing for a very long time. Um, we're coming up on 23 years, uh, and there was a long time where I didn't share my writing with anybody, 
um, uh, and um, do you mean professionally? uh, No, I've been writing since that for that long. Not professionally. I don't. (laughs) No, I mean your 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 math is a little off because. Uh, we're almost the same age, and we started both started writing around twelve, and I so I've been writing for thirty four years. Oh yeah, okay. Well, God, age me, why don't you just? Sorry, just sorry. <laughs> God, I mean, I, I I don't know when you started writing professionally, so it could be that twenty three is professional and thirty three is how long you've been writing. Um, I don't know. Professionally, if I count the, um, if I count from when I got paid the first time for writing, which I don't normally count in polite circles, um, I would say <laughs> I start. I published professionally for the first time at twenty. So about thirty, thirty-two, thirty-three years, something like thirty. Yeah. So, so um, you're about. A, I think you're. I think you're about a year and a half younger than me. So. So yeah. So you've been writing for about thirty-three years. And writing for yeah. professionally so, for about twenty-five. Yeah. Um. It. Um. There was a time when I. I honestly did not share my work until I was in my twenties, and what I was writing when I was twenty. Was was stuff to make money, and I'll be frank. I wrote penthouse letters, and one of the more interesting moments in my life is one of the ways that penthouse paid back then was they they paid you by the word, but occasionally if um if you had a big piece published in their in their issue, they might send you the issue too. So. I was writing on a typewriter back then. There was no computer. Um, I, and I, Well, there was computers, but it was a computer lab. And I didn't want to write porn in the computer lab at school, so I was writing on a typewriter. And one of my – one of the uh, – they asked me to do a sequel to something I had written, like a follow-up letter. And I didn't ha- – I didn't have a copy of it, and I had left the issue at home. So I had to call my mama. And tell her to dig in to my to a storage box and send me the two copies of Penthouse Forum. <laughs> That's awesome. I <laughs> love that. Said, um, okay, do you need anything else? And I'm like, whatever you feel like sending. So I get this box. And it's quite large. And on the side, she has written, don't don't open in public. Well, duh, I'm not going to open it in public. I know it's got porn in it, right? So I take it back to my room, and all my friends are super fucking curious. And they all knew what I did. I mean, a, a lot of them would even read my um, letters. Um, well, Penthouse Forum is just letters and articles. There are no pictures of Penthouse Forum. Or there didn't used to be. It was all erotica, all nasty sex letters and stuff like that um anyway it's just it's just wank material um uh and um i open it up and she had 
my mama, me and my mama, she had wrapped up those penthouse um, in a brown paper bag and tucked them into the bottom. <laughs> and the reason I could not open it in public is that my mama had also sent me a fifth of vodka. <laughs> And like a pack of Oreos and um, just, you know, stuff every college woman needs. <laughs> Porn Oreos and a fizz of vodka. Um, Grey Goose, if you're curious. Uh, oh, Tony's Kindle. Yeah, that's hilarious. Uh, but yeah, so I had, I, so, yeah, so I, I've been writing since I was professionally since I was 20. But I don't actually consider that my... Um, uh, I don't consider those years to be. Let's just put it this way: those years have never appeared on an official author bio on anything I've ever written that I consider my professional work. <laughs> when I signed with an agent, I did not mention the whole penthouse forum years. Let's put it that way. Um, but I am at a stage in um my life as a writer where I don't need feedback. But I enjoy it, and I want it. But I think it's important to never need it. Like, emotionally need it? Yeah, I mean, I need beta partners and and alpha readers. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about um, feedback from just readers. It's healthy to be in a position where you need it. Yeah, you can't be emotionally dependent on um, what other people are going to say, and and the whole I think the whole feedback validation thing, that whole cycle. I'm, t- I, I'm going to put a caveat in, in it, and then I think that this has changed. Them. That was pretty much an artifact of when fan fiction went online. Because outside of book reviews, professional writers didn't get feedback like that. You know, I mean, it just that that dynamic didn't exist. Um, and the review, the critical reviews you did get, you know, if you actually were reviewed by a book critic, could be more um, emotionally devastating than they were uplifting, <laughs> depending upon what the critic had to say. And you could get one critic that loved your stuff and one that hated it. But this whole feedback thing became, a, 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 a to me, kind of a, something that, that grew up around of, around fandom, which is I'm going to put mm-hmm. something out there, people are going to tell me they love it or that they hate it, whatever. Um, and then I would say kind of with the advent of it's a little bit. I don't. It's a little bit hard to put my finger on exactly what this when the change came over, but somewhere along with the whole culture around Goodreads and also the self-publishing thing, where authors were really um, interacting a lot more closely with their audience, that feedback. I think is that feedback cycle has bled a little bit more into the professional world, um, in some ways that are really not healthy. Uh, I don't know if if, you, if people follow any of the craziness that goes on with um, authors these days, but there has been some really odd behavior going on between 
authors and readers, professional professional authors and, and their readers. Um, really odd and unhealthy that I think is something that's kind of come up in the last decade or so that just didn't exist before. Because for the most part, outside of going to a book signing, you never met authors. You didn't talk to them online. You didn't meet them in chat rooms. It just wasn't the way that worked. I remember getting a letter once that was forwarded to me from my publisher. Well, actually, it got sent to my agent, and then it got sent to me. And this was a time when, you know, the, I had an email and everything, you know, so it wasn't, and this was, you know, by the time I published, computers and the internet were definitely a a, a thing. You know, it was in the um, middle 2000s, the middle aughts, is, it, is that how you call it? Um, yeah, the middle, um, middle yeah, the aughts. Mid aughts, and um, I, uh, I remember getting the letter and I was really excited. I was like, this is so fun this is so cute I got this fan letter I stuck it in my scrapbook you know I was um it was just really weird and I get emails sometimes professionally and they're 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 kind of rare because on my professional site I do have you know a setup for comments and stuff and I get comments every once in a while but it's not um readers don't seek me out for interaction on a professional level and even when it comes to Kara and like fall for you um, I can tell that like 99.9% of the feedback I got for fall for you, um, was fandom, you know? So yeah, I mean, it's great. It's perfect. Awesome. But, uh, in professional circles, that kind of interaction with authors, is just not, it's just not done. There's usually that that layer between the author and the audience of the publisher or the the agent, and I do think the advent of self publishing changed that dynamic a lot because authors had to get out there and market their books themselves, and then I, um, some people are not gonna not going to like what I'm about to say, but this is my opinion and I'm allowed to have it. I think the the, the culture on Goodreads is, uh, not all of it, but a lot of it is very toxic. Um, I agree. I think that it's bad for, I, I, I think it encourages bad behavior between um, readers and writers. Um, I think that um that layer, that layer, that layer separation that it, in the, it is going away between authors and their and their readers. It's much like what happens. It's happening in original publication, much like we're seeing in fan fiction, which is that there's this sense of false intimacy that gets created, um, mm. and sometimes authors encourage that. Okay, sometimes authors in, deliberately encourage this false intimacy. And we've seen a lot of really bad author behavior through these communities. Um, and we've had authors, we've, we've, there's been scandals about authors misrepresenting who they are and lying to their readership to try to get money or to get additional readers through sob stories or just all kinds of really, and but also readers are um, 
some reader had posted on one of I, I, I don't remember I want to say it originally came up on Goodreads, but it might have come later that they felt like an author that they had been talking to um, online, either on Facebook or on Goodreads or something, wasn't attentive to, enough to them in person when they met at a book signing, and they basically poisoned their drink. Yeah, and we're not. I mean, that's appalling behavior. It's criminal. Now, it was just making them throw up and stuff. We're not talking like that they, you know, um, potentially caused them. It's not like they slipped, you know, aconite into their tea. It, I believe it was Visine that they slipped into their drink. But this kind of behavior is just, that's, that's, it's still criminal. It's, that's still, you know, a form of assault. It, it's, and it's, there's, there's, it's this lack of boundaries, right? And, you know, I especially see young authors um, not really sure because they're, they're, they're going into, they're going self-publishing themselves, and they're getting guidance from other self-published authors about how to conduct themselves online and what to say. Or, and I see this too, they're taking their cues from fandom, from their time in fandom. Um, about how to build an audience, and you know, um, I, I don't, I don't want to name names, but authors who were particularly good in fandom about generating controversy and stirring shit up, then go out and give that advice to other people who go on to self-publish with that kind of mentality, and it, they, when they start lying about yourself online, eventually it comes out, and then people get really mad, disillusioned, and it's just so. It's so in, in kind of it's kind of incestuous in a way that it didn't used to be. You didn't have everything so interwoven, and it's. I mean, there and one of the reasons why I think and Goodreads I think fosters a lot of the drama. It fosters a lot of um, bad behavior. It eggs it on. It incurs between Goodreads and Twitter. It, it, it's just a hot mess what goes on in the self-publishing world between those two. Um, there was a, a, a first-time self-published author, young, a young young man, I want to say like his early 20s, who a, a reader got mad at him about something. Somebody, he, I think he'd interacted with him on Facebook or something, and they trashed his book just because they were pissed at him. It was It wasn't even out yet. And they trashed it on Goodreads, and this reader had a lot of followers. And because of this trashed review, this guy wound up nearly suicidal. He, well, he did wind up suicidally depressed. He nearly wound up killing himself because his book hadn't even come out yet, and it had a one-star review on Goodreads. Um, and he I thought his career was over. I don't go to Goodreads. Um, I consider good – now, this is kind of weird. Um, no, it's not weird. It's, it's – it, it's this is this this is me. I am a writer first and a reader second. And because I'm a writer first and I consider Goodreads a reader space, I don't go there. Um because there's nothing for me there. That's for readers. And there was this thing where people were getting pissed off about their fan fiction being listed on Goodreads and somebody sent me an email letting me know. In fact, I've been told multiple times that my fan fiction's on Goodreads. I don't give a shit. 
I have zero fucks to give about that because Goodreads is a reader space. And if readers want to discuss my fan fiction on Goodreads, they can. That's their business. I don't, zero fucks. I don't care. I don't. Um, I don't care about in terms of in terms. Well, I mean, I wasn't. I guess I felt like at first I did I did have my fan fiction taken down the first couple of times, but after like the third or fourth round of it being up, I stopped trying to get it taken down. Um, and I talked to you about it. You'd mentioned to me that it, what difference does it make? And it's true, but I think the reason why is I felt I felt like Goodreads was more of a space for um, professionally published works. Um, but you know. But you're right, it is a reader space, and if they want to curate their fan fiction collection on Goodreads, but I honestly hate the site. I absolutely hate it. Um, and the thing is, it, but, but it is true, this bad entitled reader behavior can't, that goes on on Goodreads, and, and there's, but I'm not saying there's not bad writer behavior going on too. But the bad reader behavior can fuck up somebody's career because there are a lot of readers that take Goodreads very seriously. And they go mm-hmm. to Goodreads to read reviews of books. And the bottom line... I do have an account are, on Goodreads, but it's... I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> it's people, just not people my People are space. spiteful. People are spiteful, and they will... In a way, in a way that I don't understand, they will go out of their way to fuck with you and fuck with you getting paid and just basically destroy you for, for absolutely zero offense. You've done nothing to them. Nothing. They will go out of their way well, to make sure that board. other people don't buy your book. Yeah. But I, I mean, mean that's, what that's, happens is like Goodreads is it creates this, um, this, this micro environment. Um, and there's a hyper focus on the on the negativity. I mean, I'm not the only one who got a really big, enormously inappropriate laugh at that Fifty Shades of Grey review. Well, everybody's read it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the gifts alone. <laughs> It's terrible. It's a terrible thing to see done to another writer. Um, and, and I'm no fan, as we all know. Uh, but um, it's not good. It's, it's, just not, it's just not good behavior. But it is what it is. I mean, I did um, – I've talked before about that I did – um, I'm, I'm part of the Amazon Vine program, which is they send you stuff and you review it. And the first few times I did Vine, um, the hundreds of reviews I've done for them, I only have done like three books or four books. Um, and I think three, 75% of the books that I did were nonfiction. Like there was a travel book and there was a jewelry crafting book and there was, I don't know, something else. And there was a photography book. And those... Are a lot were a lot easier for me to review because it was very straightforward about you know, like the travel guy like well, this, this isn't really what I would call an actual travel guy but it's really good for this this and this but you're not it's not going to do you any good when you're on your trip you're going to need something else for that so it was it was really easy to to review things that had a very specific purpose and how did it meet up against its intended its stated goal right 
Um, but the one book that was fiction that I bought, well, first, I not bought, but that I agreed to review, and this was an advanced reader copy. It didn't have a real co- cover yet. Um, and it said, you know, do not sell, whatever. I got that, and I read it. It was terrible. It was it was awful. I mean, the story, it had no focus. It had, I couldn't figure out if, if the main character was a good guy or a bad guy. It there, there was really no climax in the story. The pacing was bad. It couldn't decide if it wanted to be an adventure story or some sort of weird, twisted romance. It was terrible. And I was sitting there, and I have to review it because you can't not do your reviews. I was, like, paralyzed because I didn't want to go and give a bad review of this book. Um, because that's not how I am. That's not who I am. I don't, like... I, I, I was just I was so I was so stumped over that and finally I just said I, get, I think I gave it three stars and said that there was really interesting character work but that it lacks focus and that it's not really clear that it has a solid direction I don't know it was terrible and I said I'm never doing this again and I never even though you know they'll give you extra they have this list of extra stuff you can get every month like you get your two things and there's all this other stuff and the other stuff is almost always books I, I touch it with a ten foot pole <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> I ain't doing it. I ain't doing it because if it's bad, I'm going to have to say in some fashion that it's not good and it's going to just, it's soul destroying for me. I can't do it. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I worked, I, and I know the author, the author can't have, and the thing is all of the um, Vine reviews came in basically the same when I went and looked later. I was the nicest. <laughs> and all I could think about was this poor author. This poor author, they're going to ha- they're going to go review these Amazon reviews. And usually the people who are reviewing a book that they got for free, they're the kinder reviews. People who paid for that tend to be mean. A so, lot mean. And all I could think was that this is just going to be soul destroying for this this writer. Um And I was just so I was so uncomfortable with that whole thing. But I know there are readers out there who thrive on giving bad feedback. They like it more than they like to give good feedback. I almost think some people like giving negative feedback so much that they would rather read a bad book than a good book. I don't actually disagree with that. I, I think there are some people who, um, who thrive on making other people um, unhappy. It's narcissism. <laughs> yeah. At its base. But anyway, the, the Goodreads in its way, I think it a, a lot mimics aspects of fandom. Um, with the readers and the writers interacting, um, and in that professional setting, of course, readership matters a lot more <laughs> than it does in fan fiction. Um, but I think authors still have to divorce themselves from being attached to that because if you don't, you're going to get so wrapped up in trying to please your readers and make them happy. I really do think, I mean, I've read, there was one of the author scandals last year, 
with an author who had misrepresented themselves. Um, it was after that the whole thing with that guy who had been lying about being gay or bisexual, and he's actually straight and he's married. And um, it was after that. Um, I think that the whole, you know, that's this is not a self-published issue though. He was with one of those. He was with that awful publisher. I can't remember their name off the top of my head. Um, anyway, there's another what author. awful publisher. Huh? What, what awful publisher? Um, was it Riptide? Yes, it was. It Rip- was. It was Riptide. Riptide, Riptide went out of business, right? Um, I don't know. I'm not gonna look. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they did because they had so many scandals back to back to back to back to back. Um, no, they're like still the course, appear both. to be open. And they kept apologizing, but the whole thing with that one author who was catfishing his readers and had used one of his readers' life story as fodder for his books and stuff. Um, Wasn't they the had same black- one that had the editor that was sexually harassing authors? Yes, and it was that editor who then later was fired, she's the one who was blackballing the authors who, the readers and other authors who have been complaining about this guy. She blackballed them in the industry and um, was blocking them on Twitter and preventing them from being able to make complaints. And then after that whole blow up with that author who had been catfishing people and abusing people, it came out that she had been sexually harassing these authors and that there are all these people who weren't getting paid. And it just was a, it was a big scandal. And the thing is, this was after their um, scandal about um, that slave that slave website they put up. Um, they had done. They I did not hear about the slave website. What's the slave oh, okay. website? So they they put up a um, they bought the rights to this slave un, slave AU universe kind of thing. And they wanted to do, quote, unquote, an immersive experience where you could come and create an account on this website and, like, put up personal ads to buy slaves. And it was supposed to just be about understanding the they, – they claimed about understanding the dynamic of the, the world that the slave universe was based in. But it was so offensive, and they got so much backlash that they took it down. So that you know, they didn't think people – but they, instead of just apologizing, they said they didn't think people understood what they were trying to do. But anyway, and this was after they'd had that scandal where they had that book, and I'm sorry, I don't know how else to say this, but they put that book out that referred to the hero in the book as, I think she called him her chocolate love monkey. <gasps> yeah. Is this also the company that didn't want to put black men on the cover because it wouldn't sell? Yes, yes, yes. I don't know how they're still in business. <laughs> I don't either. This was like in a two or three year period. They had the, the the whole the horrible thing with the the I, I don't know what the chocolate love monkey thing was so awful, and it made it into their into the published version, and and then the, this the editor claimed that she had never seen it. It was just people were really offended by it, and um. They had that. They had the slave AU thing. They had this thing with that author who was catfishing people. This was all like in a two- or three-year period, and they kept having to issue apology after apology after apology. And let me tell you, they write great apology letters, but they don't seem to stop their crappy behavior. 
Um, <laughs> here, I've got the I link for you. Oh. Wait, is the book still published? Uh, I think I think they changed it. And I'll try to find the article about because the the page that I had bookmarked that had the, um, okay, here it is. Um, and there's a screenshot of the original book. Um, and the editor, yeah, okay, so this is the. Oh, my God. This is when it said that. The Curious so Incident of the Chocolate Love Monkey. That is just, I am. Anyway, so there dark was chocolate a. chocolate love monkey. Yes. The dark chocolate monkey of love. Like four times on one page. How could the editor not have seen that? Whatever. Anyway, so this publisher had serious issues, especially around um, people of co- you know people of color, both both in terms of in their books, but they were one of the worst in the industry for representing um, people. Of- people of color in their books. They didn't want them on the cover. And also their authors. They had issues with their um, authors who were a minority, like not putting their pictures up. And just they had all kinds of like horrible, horrible problems with, and they, and they, and this, this website that I pointed you guys to, Sorry Watch, is they kind of one of the things they look at is they analyze apologies and they talk about the apology and is it appropriate and, it's an interesting site for when there's apologies that come down. And one of the things that they looked at was all of these apologies that Riptide Publishing has had to issue. And, you know, were they appropriate? And one of the things Riptide does is write really good apologies, but they seem to keep having these problems over and over and over again. Um, it could be that getting rid of that one editor who seems to be at the root of all of this stuff um, yeah, they definitely had whitewashed covers. Um, it could be that getting rid of that one editor is, you know, clear up a lot of their problems, but I don't know. But anyway, after this successive wrap of scandals, both with Riptide and with the male male publishing world, there was, an, uh, I want to say it was an author duo, duo of women, who found that they had been lying about being, they, I think they claimed to be a man or something. I don't really remember what that deal was, but I. Is that the same author there, got on Facebook that said that she was really a gay man? No, 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 no. That's a different author. So, well, she still so, she's still pretty unapologetic if a about that. To be learned here. If, if there's a lesson to be learned here. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. <laughs> but after all of these bad apologies I had seen, good apologies from this publisher who doesn't do anything, but the authors were issuing really bad apologies. But in the wake of all of these scandals, 
I want to say it was a Dream Spinner author, but it might have been um, another. It was another one of the Mail Mail publishing that primarily does Mail Mail. Um, anyway, so it was revealed that an author had been lying about their gender. I think that that's what they were lying about, and I think it, I think it was an author duo. Um, and the authors issued their their publishing their contracts were immediately the publisher put out a tw- a, a tweet. And there was a note on their website that their publishing contract, that their contracts had all been um, revoked and their books had been pulled and the publisher apologized for any harm that had been done, da, 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 da. But the authors put up an apology letter and I went and read it and it was the only one of these authors who had apologized, not the publisher, but the authors who had apologized where I read what, and I, I said, I wish I could remember which author this was, but I read the apology letter and it rang true what they were talking about was which was that they were young that they had you know learned that they had taken advice from people they clear they'd come out of fandom they just used some words and stuff and phrases that made it clear they'd been in fandom and that they had been given some advice about how to move in, in, in into publishing professionally and that they had taken some bad advice that they had taken it too far that they got to the point where they knew it wasn't sustainable, but they didn't know how to stop lying and they didn't know how to get out of it and that they've been miserable. And I think she said something like it had even been, she felt like it was even reflected in their work that it hadn't been as good because they'd been struggling with the, under the weight of the lies that they'd been telling. Um, and that even though it was difficult, there were con- the consequences that it was actually relief that it was all over, but that they, you know, and that to anybody that was hurt, they were very sorry. Um, and it it just rang really true that this is, I could see how it could, this could kind of snowball for them. If they got some bad advice and they ran with it, pretend to be a man. Um, and, and then it just got to be, unsus- you know, unsustainable. And, I think it was I think it was unfortunate in a way the timing of them kind of coming clean about everything because I think if it had been before all of the scandals that had been going on the rest of the year I think they probably could have salvaged the situation um but the publisher just was like new no. <laughs> we've had too many cases of authors um lying to readers and catfishing them and even you know sexually abusing readers and stuff this year we're just done we're just we're not doing this um what i would say is it is perfectly okay to have a pen name and it is perfectly okay to have a pen name that the gender is ambiguous or whether it's not even your gender there are plenty of men who write in romance under a woman's name, but they don't pretend to be a woman. And there are women who write in science fiction under a male name. J.K. Rowling's alternate um, pen name is a man's name. It's not the pen name. It is the behavior that they're, that's accompanying it that is the problem. I know plenty of men who write romance under a woman's name, but they don't get online and pretend to be a woman with five kids. <laughs> right. It's going and getting a stock photo and putting it up and pretending like that's you and it's the wrong gender. It's saying that you're a gay man when you're really a straight man or a straight woman. Um, it just, 
No, just don't do it. Use whatever pen name There's you want. There's a fine line between a pen name creating a persona that um, you use to mislead people. And a pen name is not a persona. It is a pseudonym. It's what it is. It's not anything more than that. But when you create a persona and put it out there and attach a story to it to create um, an alternate identity that you are, in fact, catfishing your readers, and there is a big difference. Now, there's a difference between yeah. saying that, like, me not telling you where I actually live, and, but it's, writers have the right to protect their privacy and to create a veneer um, over their reality. But when they start to emotionally manipulate their readers and their audience using that veneer and they create a persona that is um, entirely fictional, it crosses a line. Because that's – authors are so involved with their readership, not not all, but in many – especially with small indie publishers – um, or self-publishing, they get on Goodreads, they get on Twitter, they build a relationship and a rapport with their readers. And if you're doing that, pretending to be something you're not, if you've got a picture of a man up and you're a woman and you're claiming you're a gay man, that is, A, it's going to eventually come out, but it is it is a form of catfishing. And you just don't do Look, it. If you want to write under a pen name, an alternate pen name, and you just take a picture up, get a picture of a dragon. Yeah, there you a go. picture of a dragon. <laughs> no one's gonna think you're actually a dragon. <laughs> go to Shutterstock, buy a picture of a dragon that you can put on your book, Pick it up there, and move on. <laughs> put it everywhere. <laughs> but don't use this um, your pseudonym or your pen name, whether it be in fandom or in reality, to manipulate. Because um, it happens. I mean, this has been happening for a long time, and it doesn't just happen with authors. I've seen it happen in gaming communities where um, I remember being heavily involved in The Sims and this woman faking three three different kinds of cancer to get um, members of our community to send her money. And we did send her money. And so um, it comes to just being a good person. So I don't want you to hesitate to use a pseudonym because you have every right to use a pseudonym as a writer. In fact, if you're writing erotic materials, you 100% need to use a pseudonym. Um, I cannot tell you how many profane contacts I've had with readers professionally. I get more dick pics professionally than I do in fandom, and I've gotten my share in fandom as well. If you're going to send out a picture of a penis and yours isn't attractive, would you at least look online and find a really pretty one to send me? I mean, I shouldn't have to look at ugly dicks. So if you must send me a dick pic, I would rather you not send me yours if it's not attractive. Go find a pretty one to send me. 
I don't want one at all. But if I'm going to get one, I'd like it. I'd, I'd like it to be pretty and big because I have standards. Why are people so gross? Oh, honey, if we knew. <laughs> If we could solve that problem. So you said pretty penis, right? So I immediately Googled pretty penis. And the first hit (laughs) is a Reddit thread with some dude saying, I've been told I have a pretty penis. Thoughts? (laughs) Ah, I got to look. Now I got to look. Okay, let me look. It's fine. That's all I can say is it's fine. It's not... It's not unpretty. It's a penis. It's a fine example of a penis. I wouldn't be angry to get this penis in my... No, I wouldn't be mad at it. I wouldn't kick it out of bed. I might might kick the guy it's attached to out of bed, but the penis itself is fine. The penis is fine. Somebody responded. Although I don't think his circumstances... The pretty the Chad was the great. prettiest in all the land, <laughs> but I don't think his circumcision was done that well done. To be to be critical, I mean, you know, there's a see the ridge on his on the head. It's not. Yeah. Your doctor needs to do a talking to man. You could have had the yeah. There was a little... the land as the last person said, but your doctor messed it up for you. There's just this. There's just this. Like there's. They pulled the foreskin too tight, maybe, when they were doing the circumcision. Yeah. Yeah. That's not bad. I've seen I've seen worse circumcision blunders. There have been yeah. some times I've been like, "Oh, honey, you need to sue your doctor." <laughs> I don't know if he needs to manscape. But I'm not sure the angle did his pubic mound any favors. Just it's saying. not that bad. <laughs> I, no, it's not bad. It's just, you know. <laughs> I've seen some guys that I thought they might have a wild raccoon down there. <laughs> it's like, wait, dude. <laughs> he is a little pale. <laughs> a little pale for my taste. Um Lady Hunter, we need to have a conversation because I... are you looking? Are we looking at the same dick? What is she talking about? You can't brush that. There's no. I'm just wondering. It's it's. Am I missing out on something? Because I don't actually brush my pubic hair. Am I supposed to be doing that? I'm in my forties and I've brush. never done that. I don't brush my pubic hair either. I can't imagine why I would. <laughs> All right. Oh, here you go, Barb. There. I, I figured if I hit enter really, really quickly, it wouldn't give a preview. It didn't. There you go. Click on the link. I have a pretty penis. I do use shampoo and conditioner on my pubic hair. 
No. <laughs> yes. No. Girl. Yes. No. It needs to be oh. my hair. <laughs> uh, no. Well. Uh, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> most shampoo and okay, honestly, most shampoo and conditioner has glycerin in it, and you shouldn't be putting glycerin near your hoo ha. I'm just saying. I don't use a shampoo in it. You shouldn't put glycerin huh? on your head to begin with. Thing I don't like glycerin. I use natural, all natural products. Most all natural products to avoid have glycerin in them. I need to go look because I'm I'm not sure about that. But I do I do shampoo my. To be careful, I regret nothing. Well, I clean it down, but I just don't condition it. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't set it. I don't roller set it either. <laughs> well. I do nor trim, nor so do I, I blow it dry. I set it. <laughs> I'm not sure I could roller set it. I do keep it trimmed. It isn't like I'm, you know, exploring the 70s with my pubic hair or anything. So, I told you guys. I think I told you guys before about my cousin that one time was visiting me and she went on a date with this guy. And she didn't know that he drove a motorcycle, right? <laughs> it just kind of showed my sister and I have a very different perspective on things because she comes <laughs> back and she's wearing this mini skirt, right, for this date. She goes, she comes back and I was like, "How was your date?" And she says, "Oh, it was okay, except you know he had a motorcycle." And I said, "Oh, okay. That's a little bit. Of, your your dress is a little short for the motorcycle, but all right." She goes, "Yeah, he kept sitting on my." Care. And my sister immediately says, why weren't you wearing underwear? And I immediately said, how long is your pubic hair? Pubic <laughs> hair? Girl, what the uh, hell is you going on down there? Your pubic hair, or if somebody else can sit on your pubic hair, you need to get that shit a little trimmed off a little bit. Just, just a little trim. Don't go to a hairdresser for it. You can do that yourself. <laughs> Hand, hand, handle handle your business yourself. Just you know, I would. Oh no, I would never put nair anywhere near my vagina. No, 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 no nair, no, no nair. Not even the nair they say you can use there. I did that once. It was not a good idea. I regret my life choices even now, three decades later. <laughs> wax on. Wax, oh Lord, my sister waxes. Full Brazilian. Not happening. Um, I I I'd honestly rather have a Brazilian than wax my legs. For some reason, my legs are much more sensitive. I'm like hell no. <laughs> my legs are so desensitized because I've been using an epilady since I was in my teens. So I don't even feel it. I I find it agony. I could I could do like literally anything but my legs. I uh, it's just no no. So. I just, no, no, I don't. I am too old to wax anything at this point. <laughs> what you see is what you get. <laughs> I used to, I used to wax my underarm, iron pit, but I, I, it was great because I only do it six times a year. I never had to shave, right? But I, you know. Um, I got tired of going, spending the money on it, so 
And it's really not something I can easily do myself. So. No, I mean, my look, I would let my arm fall down and I would, I would be stuck. <laughs> I'd be stuck <laughs> that way. <laughs> I'm glued. <laughs> I would be totally stuck. It would not be a good idea. But, yeah, so back, yeah, I don't, back to the original conversation about um, needing and wanting feedback. Um I enjoy feedback from my readers. Uh, sometimes when I'm in a bad mood, I just go over to my site and read my feedback because it's nice. It makes me feel better. Yeah. Um, but I never want to be in a position where I need it. Because when you need something like that and you don't get it, it creates a, a very unhealthy circumstance for you mentally and emotionally. My basket has no shame either. Yeah. So. Yeah. The the dependence on it is um, the emotional dependence on it is is it's eventually going to bite you. And this this is just this is of course my opinion. But I I talk to too many people who cannot write if they aren't getting feedback. But the problem is then what happens to your writing when people don't react as positively to your whatever you posted or don't react at all, then what? What if you don't get any feedback on something you post? I asked me that one, that one day. I said, well, what happens if nobody gives you any feedback on this new chapter? And she says, well, I don't know what I would do. Well, that's a problem. I mean, I, I, somebody told me once that I, when we talk on the podcast, that it seemed like we were apathetic about getting feedback. And I'm not. I love, I love getting feedback. I love it. But I, I don't live for it. No, I don't live for it. And it's not the reason that I write. If it was the reason that I write, I would have posted a lot more than I have, <laughs> folks, because there's way more. And I don't say this to be a tease, but there's way more I've written than people haven't seen than that they have. I mean, I have over a million words in progress. If I posted for attention, <laughs> my site would be, be out there. With works in progress. Yeah, right. Every little piece yeah. of shit that I that twelve hundred words I wrote, wrote wrote the other day and threw in my slush ball would be online somewhere if I wrote for attention. Yeah. Don't stare at I me, mean, holder. I'm entitled there are so to my many. Secret. There are so many <laughs> first chapters or half chapters that I've written. And if I wrote to get attention or I needed feedback to keep writing, I would post those as, oh, uh, and then put some off and they're like, oh, I know I've got 50 works in progress, but this idea just wouldn't leave me alone. Um, but that's not, that's not, I'm not writing for feedback. But it is nice. It's lovely. Um, one of the greatest feelings, especially, is when you especially if I've done something I think is particularly subtle and someone gets it and they really like it, that feels great. It's like you've got a reader out there that you are it's perfectly in sync with, and that is a really cool feeling. Um, but being dependent on that 
means that at some point it's going to be hard to write, or if not impossible. Now, feedback, the other side of though is that feedback can throw you off your groove. It doesn't matter how thick-skinned you are. It doesn't matter um, how inured you are to critical feedback. It, it doesn't matter what you've done, what you've been through, um, how many books you've published, how many words you've written. I don't know any author who hasn't been thrown off their stride at some point by a review, a com- an unexpected comment, um, and not in a, oh, my God, I'm never going to write again way, but in a, I'm too pissed off right now to write, or I'm too yeah. sad, or or whatever. Or there's Because the thing is, you can't help but be emotionally affected by it, right? So you, I'm more likely to get pissed um, than I am hurt over feedback. Pissed, yeah, pissed. I've I've gotten that that piece of feedback that took me off of AO3. I was indignant. I mean, that's the only word I could come up with was I was completely indignant. I I got so high on my on that horse that <laughs> no one she got a no one was, that day. <laughs> I mean, I get up that morning and somebody tells tells me what all they like. It's, and there's it's, there's nice stuff in the feedback too, but then they laid on me the part they didn't like, and then ended it with, "I know you can do better." And everything, even the critique, was even her critique, I was willing to ignore. But I got to that line, that patronizing line. Uh, I mean, the indignation just rose in me like a tidal wave, and I was like. I gotta find a really big horse to climb on. <laughs> so. Is that the one where she said and, she'd read better from you, or she thought better of you, or she told me? I could what do was better. it that she? Uh, I said you can do better. You can do I'll better. Fuck you and your she, and she, she clearly read my other work, and she said I could do better. Um, and it, it just, you know, it's just, and she, she wrote me later and apologized for that because she said she, she didn't mean, she didn't realize how, you know, it sounded and um, that she didn't mean to hurt me. And the thing is, I wasn't hurt. Honestly, I wasn't hurt. I, I think that people thought that I was. Like, why would I have left AO3 if I wasn't hurt? And I wasn't hurt. I was, the only, like I said, the best word for it was indignant, which is a form of pissed off, right? Because um, I was like, it was a little bit of like that how dare you kind of thing. Um, like the the audacity, right? And I'm like, I'm so done. And the thing is, it's not like being on my own site prevents that. It doesn't prevent that kind of comment. Trust me. People cross the line way bigger on my website. But um, I don't know. I've been thinking about leaving AO3 for like a year. I mean, I regretted publishing on AO3 almost as soon as I started doing it. And so I had been thinking about leaving, but I knew that a lot of my readers really appreciated being able to download the books and that it was, you know, I, I, there's all these factors that were buzzing around in my head and all of a sudden I just went, no, no. This is the proverbial straw. There it is. I'm not leaving AO3 because of that person, but it was just that one final thing that I needed to give me that push to do what I already wanted to do. I feel like, you know, um, when I stopped posting on fanfiction.net, which was the archive, there were two archives that I posted on, um, fanfiction.net and Racebait. Um, and I left Racebait because one of the one of the people who ran Racebait edited my work for me, and then let me know. <gasps> oh my god! Yeah, yeah. 
like she was doing me a favor. Anyways, um, for the record, she was not doing me a favor. Uh, but there's a um, there's a certain freedom to posting to your own site because you don't have to answer to anybody. Uh, you don't have to answer to anybody's rules. Uh, of course, you need to be careful about your, your server choices because there are some servers that don't allow adult content. Keep that in mind if you're getting ready to build your own site. Um, I use GoDaddy for that purpose because they don't monitor my content that way. Um, but there are some servers that won't allow you to have adult content. So keep that yeah, in mind. One of, one, of, um, one of the default, if you go if you go on WordPress and you like look at managed hosting, the, I think one of the host, hosting packages that they recommend, one of the, one of the service providers they recommend is, I think it's Bluehost. Um, and they get really good reviews, but they don't allow adult content. So, you know, you have to be really careful that you don't pick a, a provider that is going to delete your content when, when somebody with a bug up their butt complains about you because they will. It will happen. It's happened to more than one author if somebody complained to the host. Because they don't know. They don't, they don't really go out there and look until somebody bitches. And what happens is somebody who has a hate on for you goes to your service provider and complains about your depravity, and then they come and check you out and find out you're in violation of your terms of service, and they delete your site. And you don't get your money back. Nope. Because you violated the terms of service. Now, they're not going to ban you. You can put up another site, but you can't put up an adult site. So, I mean, it's still there. And their, their perspective is it's there for you to use. You just can't put what you had on it. If that happened to me, I would put up a really giant complaint. With no adult words in it, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> But that's why I use GoDaddy because they don't um, have any kind of policies like that. Um, but uh, what was I saying? Totally off. Oh, putting about, it on your own um, site is archived. There's um, there's there's freedom there, and also I I relaxed a lot because when I was on fanfiction.net, I felt this pressure to to post. Um, and I don't know. I can't really explain it. I, I, I felt like I was, because I was posting on fanfiction.net, and it, obviously I'm kind of alone in this considering how many works in progress never get finished on, but I felt like there was, um, because I was publishing a work in progress at the time, I felt like I had an obligation to post because I put it up there and it wasn't finished yet, and that's one of the reasons why I stopped posting unfinished materials outside of EAD and Rough Horse Rough Trade, uh, because it was um, it was there was a lot of pressure there. And when I saw Ao3 go up, I thought, okay, I'll step back and you know watch it, see what I think. Um, and then I realized they put pedophilia, or they allowed pedophilia to go on there, and I I would never. Um, want to post there um the only way i would end up my english work would end up on ao3 is if i was leaving fandom and then i would just dump the hook um the content on there and walk away yeah but um my russian translator for tangled destinies is posting on ao3 because that is what made sense for them and it allowed them to give me author credit as well and that's fine. I mean, and 
someone actually asked to do a Russian translation of um, Her Secret, Harry Potter. And so that should be interesting. It's going to go up on AO3 as well. <clears throat> but for me to post there personally, it would be because I was leaving fandom and I was done. Because I don't um, want to actively be associated with uh, with pedophilia. Yeah, that, that that they don't draw any lines is just really hard to deal with. It's like, can't we have one or two lines? Can't something not be okay? Does it have to? And, and I it actually, we've talked about this before, but I actually find it really, I do find it, I find it really upsetting that they that their mentality is that if you draw any lines, you you open the door to drawing every line. And it, it's like, uh, it's ridiculous. It's completely ridiculous. I understand the foundations of their principles. Um, yeah, I get where it came from. I mean, there was that problem where people were not able to post because, it was like, you know, every little teeny tiny thing was made you ineligible. Um, and it was it was difficult to. But the other side of that is, is I don't think um, anybody reasonable would be upset if they said, hey, um, don't post fiction of adults raping children. Yeah. <laughs> is that news for you? Um, pedophilia, it's rape. Chan is rape. A child cannot consent to sex. Therefore, it's rape. Anyways, I don't want to get on that bandwagon. I'll I'll spend the rest of the night there. (laughs) It really really messes me up. But, um... And for them to actually write stories where children are seeking sex, it just, it encourages real-life pedophilia as far as I'm concerned. It creates fantasies for people who like that thing and think that they can find a child that would actively seek them for sex and like kind of groom some kid to... I need to... Yeah, I mean, what is the... (laughs) Yeah, it's just... It, it it it's unfortunate. I mean, it, you want to leave the the bestiality. I'm not happy about it, but fine. If you want to leave the incest, fine. I mean, I can see why people who are writing in, um, particularly like some of the popular incest fandoms, like you know, like Prison Break or Supernatural, were really feeling persecuted. Okay, and the RPS people sometimes were feeling like they were being picked on. Fine, but do we really? We can't say no to the pedo stuff, really? Yeah, it just doesn't make sense to me that we can't draw that one thing that is only even remotely legal based on a technicality. Um, and it's not true in all states. Yeah, some and they are going after people for it now. So, so there's a guy in New York spending 50 years in jail for having written pedophilia. For writing... "Quote unquote fantasy." The jury didn't care that it was a fantasy. 
Funny that. Anyway, um, but to go back to the feedback thing, is it, I did, it was that, that tipping <laughs> point for me that <laughs> popular incest fandom. Well, I don't, but they, but they are. I mean, it's kind of like they saying are. popular cannibalism, um, cannibalism fandoms, but there's really only one, it's Hannibal, but um, the shit that comes out I of mean, your mouth and you're like. Okay. If reading incest <laughs> is your thing, there's a there's a couple of go to fandoms for that. Supernatural, numbers, prison break, numbers, prison break. Prison break. Yeah, I mean that's... So, you know. Anyway, um, but um, the the feedback side of it is um. Game of Thrones, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. But Game of Thrones, the incest is like canon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and The Hobbit. Oh, for yeah. God's sake. Yeah, and The Hobbit, yeah. Actually, it's so entrenched in The Hobbit that it, we hit, I hit that point with The Hobbit that it was like, well, as long as it's not on screen, as long as they're just referencing them being together, I, I'm not even going to pay attention yeah. to it. The feely key. Yeah, as long as I have to see it. I mean, there have been a couple of Hobbit uh, stories that I read where um, Keely and Feely were tagged, and I was like, okay, as long as I don't actually have to see them having sex, I'll just pretend it's not happening. <laughs> now, I could do it for Feely Keely, but I could not do it if Thorin was involved. It, it, that hit my parent-child incest thing, and I was like, no. Yeah, oh, I don't oh, care. Oh. No, 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 no. I can't even read Bilbo Our- and one of the boys for that reason. I've it's just they can they can I mean I, we just I just kind of close my eyes and pretend like it's not happening thing when it's th- them with each other, but y- nobody else can be involved. <laughs> there are so no. many unrelated dwarfs that could be banging. Why do they gotta bang their brother or their cousin? I mean, they don't. There are other choices to be made. There's hobbits and elves and dwarves and ints. <laughs> Yeah. Shag a tree, damn it. <laughs> when a tree is a better choice. <laughs> a tree is a better choice than your brother, okay? <laughs> I actually read a Stargate story once where um, you find out near the very end that Rodney and John are brothers. That they had the same mother, but they didn't know, right? They you find out they when didn't they find know. out. You find out, yeah. We the, the reader finds out when they find out. But here's the thing: they go. Um, John goes to Atlantis with Rodney, um, and they all stop fucking <laughs> after they find out they're brothers. Well, I mean that's the whole. Uh, we didn't. They didn't know that's okay, um, but if it, it's the whole idea of like the hey bro, you wanna you wanna get you wanna get it on tonight? That just freaks me out. You know, I just I can't even do the pseudo incest like Thor Loki bugs the fuck out of me. Um, I can't read either. No, but the same for Rainbow I know, right, exactly. They think of each other. They they spent their whole lives. We're not talking thirty years, we're talking hundreds of years thinking that they were related. So 
No. Um, and I, I know, I know some. There's some popular authors who love that pairing, and I'm not, I'm not bashing you, author. I'm just saying I can't do it. I can't, I can't get past that incest vibe. Claire, I'm, I'm exactly in, in the same vibe as you. It's, it's, it bothers me way more when they think that they're siblings and they start banging. <laughs> it doesn't matter; they aren't actually. They still thought they were. I read a story once, um, and it wasn't tagged for this, and I noped out at this point. Um, was it comes up that someone had had, like it was, it was full shift werewolves kind of thing, and somebody had had sex with one of these werewolves, and they find out later that it's a werewolf and not a, not a wolf wolf. And it's like, well, but it's okay because, you know, it's, it's a, it, there's a sapient being, right? It's like, but you didn't know it when you did it. <laughs> you didn't know it when you did it. You thought it was a wolf, you perv. Oh God. Oh. Oh wait. Was was? Uh, no, I don't want to know anymore. <laughs> I thought I, I did. Don't wanna, I, was, I changed my mind. I, I thought I, I was like, I just, I was like, wait, 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 wait. And, and the thing is, none of this was tagged, right? Because I think it may have been tagged for full shift werewolf sex or something like that, which you never know how that's going to go. Is that two full shift werewolves having sex? How graphic is it going to be? Or one full shift werewolf and one who's not shifted? Right. So I was like, I didn't know which way that was going to go. And sometimes I've gotten some horrifying sex scenes with full shift werewolf tag, and I just wind up skipping like five paragraphs or half a page or something and moving on. Um, Oh, my God, no. No, Barbara, go to the corner even for mentioning it. Oh, um, what? What? Oh, come on, no. Ew. I mean, I don't even think she she she's 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 too emotionally immature to have in a relationship with anybody, <laughs> much, much less her her own brother. <laughs> I mean, she's like a child. Anyway, she has the mentality of a child. She does. I think that's why it freaked me out so bad. But no, I thought you never know what you're going to get when you see that full shift werewolf sex thing. And sometimes it's not it's not a big deal. And sometimes it's like, oh my god. But in this case, what it meant was that somebody had had sex with the werewolf, and it comes out. And it's like, oh, you know, you're not actually a wolf. And it was like, ooh, you thought it was. <laughs> ooh, the implication was. The sex had already happened, right? And the implication was he thought that it was a real wolf that he'd had sex with. And it was like, oh, gross. Gross. Nope, right out of that. For those of you on the podcast, someone in the chat room had mentioned that they had seen um, Simon slash River um pairings in the Firefly fandom and River is a emotionally damaged young woman um, played by Summer Glau in an excellent fashion um, is that how you say her last name? because that's how I say her last name um, that's how I pronounce it and, and she um, is uh, she's a badass but she is um, she's been basically emotionally and mentally tortured and she has the mentality of a child when she's not killing things. <laughs> yeah. And maybe, honestly, even when she is. <laughs> you know, honestly, it was mentioned in the chat room about, you know, 
Mooney Padfoot werewolf grim sex. As long as it's, if somebody mentions that they fuck in their in their canine forms, I don't really care. I mean, I just don't want to see it on screen. But I don't really care. Um, I I think the reality is it's not something that I particularly want to explore. But I think the reality is if you're in a if you're in a especially if you're in like in a werewolf society or you grew up around wolves and you have a full shift thing or even a partial shift, the reality is odds are those wolves those werewolves are fucking each other in whatever forms they have because. If they have three forms, they have human, beta shift, and alpha, and a full wolf shift, odds are if this has been their life, their whole lives, they fuck in every form they have. And I, intellectually, I don't have a problem with it because it's natural to them. All their forms are still them, and their, their mind is intact. I just don't particularly want to read it. So I can deal with the references to it, but I don't particularly want to see it on screen. You know, and a major sex. I would. Um, hmm. I got the most feedback privately in my email about that whole thing in Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond when it came out that Voldemort had bred Nagini, um, in his in his animagus snake form. And there's a line in it where Harry's senior conclave members are talking about it, and they all look kind of horrified and outraged, except for Hiro Ito. And they're all, like, looking at him. And he just kind of smirks at them because he's a snake. And they get the implication that he has probably had snake had snake sex uh, without ever saying it. And it's a throwaway line. And for and it is my headcanon that he probably has had snake sex with another animagist. Uh, a female or even a male that he's that he's engaged in that but it was a another wizard or witch not a actual snake um but uh i got the most feedback privately about that whole snake thing and Najini's children being riddle's offspring <laughs> people were so upset i said i didn't even show it <laughs> slow your roll you it doesn't reference reality warning <laughs> There was no bestiality. I don't need to warn for it, you ridiculous people. He is a nasty well, bastard. <laughs> yeah. As her mind you know, said. I, I guess in my head, the animagus thing is a little bit different because it's not like you're an animagus your entire life. Although, caveat, Hiro Ito has probably been, and he's what, hundreds of years old, right? In Soulmate Bond? He's thousands of years old. He's a thousand, thousand years old. Years old. Yeah. So he's had thousands of years to be in that snake form. So I would think that the lines start to blur a little bit. But if if you've been in Animages for like a year and you're like, let's, let's, let's fuck in our, I don't know, tiger forms, I don't know. It, it seems a little strange to me. It's not like that's like intrinsically it's not a form you're used to. And I, it just it just seems weird. But okay, I don't know. what I will I mean, say is, I'm gonna give you guys a pro tip about cat sex. If you're going to have your wizards and oh. witches or whatever be, be animagus and you want them to engage in some kind of sex act, I don't recommend big cats because big cats and little cats have one thing in common, and that's a barbed penis. I knew you were going there. I was like, oh, I don't want to hear this. <laughs> And there ain't nothing 
hot about a barbed penis being removed. Just go with wolves, dragons. <laughs> Have some full-on dragon purse sex if you want to. But stay off the big cats. <laughs> okay. All right. We've really lost our minds now. <laughs> so <laughs> let's let's talk about when you get to that decision. You let's and I think that I saw I did see the post eventually that you were talking about. I saw I actually saw it right before the podcast started. Um that kind of inspired the podcast. Um if sometimes you get to a decision point where you're going to cut communication, turn off comments, or whatever you're going to do. I've ha- several. I've never turned off comments on my site, but I have had times where um, I didn't read feedback for a month or more, um, just because I knew that my headspace was a little weird. And I didn't want to deal with people's bullshit. And I, I know people sometimes during those time periods like have sent me like legitimate questions or have had problems or whatever. But they didn't get an answer back because it all goes into a folder and it's just a matter of what I'm going to deal with it. But sometimes that's not enough. And I think that um, this post that Kira is referencing, um, the, the person who posted had had done that, had had been avoiding comments for a while. But the issue then became is eventually she has to go back and deal with it. And then there's assholes, you know? Um, And I think that, I mean, it's like, if you get to that decision point, um, I haven't, I haven't been there where I felt like I needed to turn comments off, but I could see that it would be a difficult decision to make because we are used to that engagement with, um, with the readers, we're used to that. That get we're used to that that sort of that the feedback, and it's it's it's. I think for me it would be it would feel odd to post something knowing I wasn't going to allow feedback. Um, hmm. I don't know. What is your advice for how to proceed with that? I think that if you get to that point um, and you have zero fucks left to give and there's, you know, we we all have our moments where um, you start to balance, you have to weigh it, you know, is, um, is this worth this? Is this going to hurt me? Is this, is this project too personal for me to share? If I share it, how am I going to feel about feedback? Um, And, I think you honestly need to give yourself permission to turn off comments. If you don't want feedback on something, that is absolutely your right. Turn off the comments. Put a note at the bottom saying, I hope you enjoyed the work. Feel free to hit the like button, but I don't want any feedback. Because I was talking, I was being sarcastic. I was on um, Harmony and Company on Facebook, and um, I was talking about how I cut the epilogue out of um, the De- Deathly Hallows because I didn't need that kind of negativity in my life, and that I had that I had made a choice for my mental health because I just, you know, I was being sarcastic. But it's true. 
you are the vanguard when it comes to your emotional and mental well-being. And if there's something happening um, in your space that you don't like, then you have absolutely every right to say, no, it's not going to happen anymore. Turn off your comment form, take down your contact list, change your email account, and don't give anybody access to you that you don't want them to have. Don't wait for somebody to save you. Save yourself. And if it's the choice between, um, and if you have to make a choice between posting and not posting or posting and turning off comments, Post and turn off comments. I want to read your stuff. (laughs) And I think most readers would be like, okay, either you don't post or you post and turn off your comments and I can't say anything. I'm going to go with post because, and you don't, I don't, I'll be quiet. (laughs) Is there a like button? I'll push the like button. Do you want a kudos button? I'll push the kudos button. I don't, whatever you need. And because it's important for you to take care of yourself, you know, be your own knight shining armor. And I hope it has pockets. <laughs> uh, but if you do, um, if you have a website of your own and you've turned off comments, this is a harder thing to do on AO3 because you can limit comments to registered users only and you can screen comments, but you're still going to eventually have to see them. Well, you don't have to. You just don't ever unscreen the comments. They could just stay there forever, and as long as you are determined not to go look, you'll be fine. You're you'll fine. be fine. But it is e- it is easier on like a WordPress platform to to turn your comments off completely. But if you have a contact form, somebody who really wants to tell you something is going to use it. So you have to really think really hard about do you want to have a contact form up. If you do want the contact form up, you might want to like, like let's say that you've decided you want one story you don't want feedback on, not all of them, just one, um, and you've disabled comments on that story. I would then put on my comment form, do not contact me about beautiful decline. I don't want to hear it. If you are writing me about beautiful decline, just forget it. <laughs> And maybe I actually they do have, have it to. on my comment form about an um, unspeakable plot, and no one mentions it. <laughs> yeah, make sure make sure they have to bypass your wishes twice in order to get in touch with you, um, because they've ignored you at the end of your story when you said you don't want comments. Make sure that they have to ignore your wishes overtly again to contact you about your story, because that means when they contact you about your story, you know immediately that they're a complete asshole. And they don't have any respect for you. And you can say, go fuck yourself and delete. (laughs) Delete. Beautiful Decline is her Tony Lucifer story. We talked about it last night a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe they will, but they'll have a hard time finding it unless it's still up on the way back machine. But um, it's... I... I turned off comments on Revenant, and I put a note on my site saying that I'd turned comments off, and I wasn't interested in hearing anybody's feedback about it. Um, and um, I'd turned the comments off on the copy of it that's on Wild Hair, and I'd put the copy up um, so that somebody would be able to link to it because they had done a Revenant story of their own and wanted to 
have a place to provide, you know, credit to me. Cool. Appreciate it. Um, but and currently I have Revenant and an Alpha read because I'm going to make it a novel. Um, so it'll eventually appear on my site. And I think once I have it complete, I'll turn comments back on um, because then it won't be. The comments were so invasive during the rough trade part of of writing that that it became a distraction for me. So I think that after it was completely published, I wouldn't give a shit what you had to say about it. That's that's often the case. When I get feedback on something and somebody doesn't like something, delete because I don't care. It's done. Bye. (laughs) Done. I'm totally done. I don't care. (laughs) Yeah, once it's done... Yeah, I I definitely would probably have a different perspective on turning my comments off if I posted, generally posted works in progress. Um, the only works in progress people get is what goes up on, um, eh, for the most part, is what goes up on EAD. And that, mm-hmm. whatever piece there is, it all goes up at once still. So it's not like they're getting a chapter a day or something and they don't know when the last chapter is going to come. They know going in that what is posted there is all there is until I take it down and finish it, if that ever happens. If I um, posted work so, in progress, I wouldn't allow comments until it was done. Yeah, because it... I would turn off that, comments on the parts. There is a weird thing that happens. Um, I don't remember which story I was working on, where I just got... It was like two or three chapters in a row, people were really misunderstanding what I was writing. And it so threw me that I was like, am I not being clear? And I, I had this, like, weird insecurity thing happen um, where I was like, is it, is it not clear what I'm doing? Am I, is, it, is it too obtuse? <laughs> and, you know, Kira and Lady Holder are reassuring me that they got it. And I had a couple other people who were telling me, oh, yeah, it's, it's good. I, I totally got what you're going. But it, it just – I was so flummoxed by and positive comments saying, oh, this is so great that you're doing this. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. What are you talking about? Um, well, you can't control what other people get out of your work. But you can right, control you whether or not they have the ability to comment on your shit. <laughs> right. And and the thing is, that was just a case of where it was like oh, – it wasn't negative comments. Because I, I would actually deal with negative better. It was the misunderstanding – was so throwing me. It's only happened once. People misunderstand on a regular basis, but for some reason in that story, I just didn't respond well to people not getting it. <laughs> why are you praising me? Why don't me you for get thing? it? I, quit praising me for this. And this I'm not doing that thing that you're praising me for. It was just this weird headspace I had that one time. And it really threw me um, for several days. It was like I hit this slump and I didn't post and I didn't write and I just was all up in my head until I talked it out with a couple people about, you know, all right, I'm derailed. Somebody help me get back on track. Um, and then I, I think what I would do is that if I was in the habit of posting works in progress, I would turn, I would do that. I would turn off comments until the final part was up because it, I just – it's one of the things you got to you got to be self-aware of like what derails you, what throws you off. And then you got to prevent those things from happening as much as you can. 
Um, if reading the news in the morning before you write has a high probability, if you're getting upset as a private high probability of preventing you from writing, then don't read the news before you write. You know, I mean, you just have to take steps to ensure that you protect your writing time and your mental headspace that you need to write because it's precious. And if that means cutting off communication with readers for a while, then that's what you do. And it's okay. I don't care what anybody in in on AO3 or in some other writers group, hint, hint, mm-hmm. um, would say about that. You should do what you need to do to keep yourself sane, to feel good, and to feel good about what you're writing. Writing should be something you love, not something that you're slogging through torture, you know, torturously. It shouldn't be agony. Sometimes it hurts, but it should only hurt in that good way. It should be good for you. I don't consider be... EAD an obligation. I consider it a cock tease. Um, and I'm perfectly okay with that. Well, sometimes I use EAD as a vehicle to get a story, most of it, out um, that I don't have time or inclination to work on, you know? Um, so... Like um, intuitive, I I don't know when I'm ever going to get back to that. So it was kind of an opportunity to put that out there. And there's a, there's there's almost I'm pretty sure it's close to novel length what is there. So there's a substantial mm-hmm. piece of work that was there, and um, people who are into it can read what's there, and people who don't want to read works in progress don't have to read it. And I'm thinking that one of my EADs this year will be what there is of subversive because I've. Um, I just don't see that being on my priority list for 2019. And uh, I had hoped to get it finished last year, and so I'm just going to probably put up what is what is there is of that. I don't know what I'm going to post on EAD this year. I mean, I've got options, obviously, but I don't know what I'm going to post. Yeah, I'm going to post more than that, I think. Um, I just haven't – that is that is. there's a significant – of the things I've got that have a significant word count, that's the one that I think I'm the least likely to work on in the next year to year and a half. So um, I figured I'd just post it. Huh. But I could be wrong. I could get it up and then go, nope, I'm working on this. <laughs> Tomorrow is a new day. <laughs> you never know. Um, I do sometimes post short stuff for EAD, um, like like impetus. Um, but it's not typical for me to post a bunch of short teases. Um, I prefer to post something gonna... substantial. You know, like yeah. it's. I can ask their EAD a gift. Here's a here's a gift to you, and 500 words isn't a gift. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, and that's just what I think. Yeah, that's just how I think about it. And your EAD experience is is yours to have. <laughs> yeah, you do it how you want to do it. I I don't think there's any right or wrong way to go about doing. I just 
activated Siri because that's what I do. I don't think there's any right or wrong way to go about doing EAD, um, but usually I try to put up something significant. The reason why I think impetus is the shortest thing I ever posted um, is because I was not quite sure, is this done where it is? <laughs> Am I going to write more? I don't really know. Um, but it kind of felt like at least it had some level of completion to it, uh, and I thought it was interesting, so I went ahead and put it up that day, that year. Hmm. I had an EAD post that when I posted it, everybody was like, this was great. I really loved it. It's complete, right? And I was like, I didn't think it was, but maybe it is. And then I read it again, and I realized, yeah, that 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 pretty much is done. So I moved it to my site. <laughs> it's called A Meeting of Minds. It's a, it's a Stargate story. Um, and I originally had something bigger planned for it, but the, the, the spot I stopped at was, I was like, I don't, okay, <laughs> but it's done. <laughs> because I couldn't figure out where I wanted to go with it, and the plot that I had originally plotted just wasn't appealing to me. And so I stuck up there on EAD, and so, but yeah. It's called a meeting of minds. And what it boils down to is that McKay and Shepard are both teaching, and um, McKay keeps uh, stealing John's table at the coffee shop, and it's driving him nuts. <laughs> So, and it's just a little story, and I thought that it was not, I, I had something bigger planned for it, but the plot fell apart on me, which which happens to the best of us. I, I think no matter how, how long you write, um, sometimes the what you put down and what you plan just fizzles. Wow, that is so weird. Just reading about someone's bad EAD comment. You know, I think I actually had considered with impetus using that as a complete story as it is, and one of the stories I plotted for April was a, was the continuation of impetus, um, using impetus as a short story on its own, and then um, writing a sequel to that. Um, but, you know, it's just one of those things. It just kind of rattles around in your head a lot. I have stories like that that they rattle around in my head, sometimes for years before they kind of gel into something real. On the other hand, I could just decide one day and go, okay, this story actually is done, and then I'll move it. When that decision is made, you know, then I'll move it. I want to yeah, say something. There, um, there are people... There are assholes everywhere, and there are assholes who are members of Minion Headquarters, and there are assholes on my site, and there are assholes on Wild Hair. Um, there are a fuck ton of assholes on Rough Trade, to be perfectly honest. Um, that's why, and then that's why comments are moderated on Rough Trade, because it got so bad, I had no choice but to moderate them. So... Please don't assume because they're associated with um, our various projects that they're going to not be an asshole. <laughs> it's what I would say about that. <laughs> yeah, I'll, if I, I have it's to say safer to assume they probably will be an asshole. <laughs> yeah, but I just I um. 
what, what, what's kind of being discussed in chat is that there's some people who, like, they've learned to behave well for Kira, but then they go and behave poorly with um, other authors, um, and specifically over EAD. You know, clearly your ability to show restraint when you're interacting with Kira or me or whatever shows that you understand the concept. How not to be an asshole. The fact that you then choose to go to another author and be a dick, that's that's a deliberate choice. So knock it off. Just stop. Most of the minions, most of the writers who are affiliated with the writer's table, they know they they don't have, they their give a fuck is broken too. So it's just not going to get you anywhere. Expressing your displeasure is not going to get you what you think it's going to get you. You think it's going to get you thick, but it's not going to. Well, actually, I know a the picture o- of two birds sitting on a tree. <laughs> yeah. And, it's, and the author in question, I'm not going to name names here, but the author in question here particularly is not going to reward you with thick. <laughs> so just stop. No. Just stop. No, you, no. you never know which author is going to get more dug in than another over your complaint. <laughs> I mean, I'm the bitch who, who wrote, how much was it? Hold on. I have to go check now. I have to be accurate. Accuracy is important. Excel. Stupid Excel. Completed. I wrote 100,096 words of spite fic mm-hmm. <laughs> over a comment. Because <laughs> someone told me, oh, please don't write any more female McKay. But it wasn't nice. It was a really shitty comment about not writing female McKay. So I wrote 100K of female McKay. And I'm not done. That was just season one. <laughs> there you go. But I, there are some authors that are particularly inured to um, reader complaints. Um, and uh, this off, the author in question here is very inured to your complaints, so stop it. It's not getting you anywhere. It's just making them mad. It might be getting you the opposite of what you're trying to accomplish. Because that's what people that people are when they complain to you about you haven't written on this story or why isn't this finished or whatever, they're hoping to elicit a response from you that you will do what they want. They hope that their complaint is going to get you to do, um, give them the thing they're asking for. Um, yeah. Some authors are not, not only are they not going to give you what you asked for, they might give you the opposite. They might take their fic away because they just don't care about you. And when you you could be the, and you could be the final, you could be the straw. (laughs) You could be the final straw. straw. And some people are particularly spiteful and they will put your name up and say, this is the, this person's comment is why I pulled my stories. Just so you know who to go and complain to because they seem to think that complaints are the way shit gets done. So go give them your complaints. I have have threatened to – I have made the threat that I would 
if if people didn't quit giving me grief about something, that I would air their name on Facebook and like shame them publicly. I've never actually done it, but I could see there'd be circumstances where I would. I would. So, um, just but just I'm an don't. asshole. <laughs> She's Kira nice is one. more of an. I I, th- I think we agree that Kira is a little bit more of an asshole than I am, but you don't want to get my mean streak. <laughs> riled up okay okay so we got four minutes left i'm gonna tell you a little story there is a writers there is a readers group it's a fan group for the the hermione pairing hermione harry pairing on facebook and i belong to it and someone had commented on um a recommendation for one of my fix is it finished because a lot of her work isn't something like that it was very sweeping generalization and the fact of it is is that 95 percent of my work is complete and what isn't complete is either marked a sneak peek on my site and it was a gift to my readers before ead ever happened or it's on ead um and i have phoenix up on wild hair which was also a gift to my readers before ead um and i called her out on it and she said she had seen me um Basically, she implied that I was a bitch and that um, she um, was startled to be the focus of my ire or something like that. I don't remember the exact words. And I was like, you know what? I don't mind questions. I do mind sweeping generalizations. And you basically said that I was a liar because you, cause I, am, I, I post complete work for the most part, unless it's EAD. And to be to be in the middle of this group telling me that my work isn't complete. And then she went on to say that it wasn't complete because um, I leave too much potential for sequels. I said, well, then you yeah. don't need to read any of my work because I always leave room for sequels. Always. There isn't a story on my site that I don't have room for a sequel because I build that shit in on purpose. Hold my coffee. I'm not done. <laughs> I, I saw that thread. I saw that thread, and I was when I got down to the part where where she mentioned you you leaving you leaving the door open for more. Like that was a bad thing. Like it made her work incomplete to do that. I was like, how do you read? I, I mean, all I could think. I mean, I mean, you obviously had that. I thought like two days after it had happened. Um, and you obviously had that shit handled, but I was sitting there thinking, how do you read if the only things you want to read are things where every single thing is tied up in a bow and there's no room for more? That's just not most writing. Um, but was, I, I, I felt like galling. She, I felt like, she, she, I felt like, like, like she was my victim. Like she was my victim yeah, for that. Yeah, she did. She did. But I felt like she was also trying to backpedal on her initial – um, complaint about how your works aren't finished when you said that they all, everything on your site is finished. Um, that she like said that's what she kind of threw out this. Well, there's you know that there's room for a sequel. Shut up. I thought she was backpedaling a little bit on her complaint. It was just so. Um, but the whole thing, it just it it just to me, I felt like the comment started aggressive with the whole is it finished because so many of her works are not. Ha ha. Don't forget the sarcastic like, ha ha at the end. <laughs> anyways, anyways. You take care of you, writer. We're out of 48 seconds. Take care of you guys. Uh, and turn off comments if it makes you happy. Say goodnight, Jilly.
Good night, everyone. Thank you.